Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly edition of talk on movies, TV, music, and video games, not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. Hi, my name is Matt. This is the Media Boat Podcast. Oh, yeah, and he's, his name is Mike. I mentioned I skipped that for some reason. <laughs> Today is August the 8th, 2023. This is episode 395. We are five episodes away from 400 of these things, which is pretty wild. Uh, that will put us on just past Labor Day. Wow. The week wow. after Labor Day for mm-hmm. episode 400. Okay, well, we're we're cooking, and we're cooking today. We got a bunch to talk about, so let's get rolling right into it. Yeah, let's get right into it, and we start these episodes with the music section. We start the music section with the Billboard, and we start the Billboard with the Hot 100. And your number one song in the land is "Last Night" by Morgan Wallen. Coming in at two, "Fast Car" by Luke Combs. At three. Meltdown by Travis Scott, but really it's because of Drake that's featuring him. Uh, at four, Cruel Summer, because it is, by Taylor Swift. And rounding up your top five, Iron Nitrogen by Travis Scott featuring Playboy Cardi. <laughs> I don't know if it's supposed to be um, Elements. It might just uh, be Fine. Or Fame. Fame. But, but it's an exclamation point. Yeah, I have no idea. It's like pink. F E exhibition point N. <laughs> only oh, truly only Travis Scott knows. But yes, Travis Scott uh making an impact this week after Utopia. And speaking of Utopia. Speaking of Utopia, it is on the Billboard 200 at the number one spot. So your number one album is Utopia by Travis Scott. Congratulations. We'll see if you stick around till next week. As for your number two, it's Austin by Post Malone. At three, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. Coming in at four, Barbie, colon, The Album by our favorite band here, Various Artists. <laughs> Me about favorite, Various Artists. Mm-hmm. And rounding out your top five, Speak Now, Taylor's version by Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases, including Keeping Secrets Will Destroy You by Bonnie Prince Billy. Um, I don't know why Prince is in quotes <laughs> there. <laughs> I don't know anything about Bonnie Prince Billy, don't ask me. All right. Uh, there's also Chrome Dreams by Neil Young. Yes. That Neil Young. This was apparently a 1977 album that was never released. Finally coming out. Well, you know, it takes a long time to mix these things together. (laughs) Sure. Uh, There's also End of World by Public Image Limited. And lastly, The Death of Randy Pitsimmons by The Hives. Well, those are your new releases, um, but as is the case when <laughs> lots of music stories happen, we've them all together to form music bits. 
Yes, two weeks in a row we have music bits because there's just a lot going on lately. Uh, including a little bit of a follow-up, possibly, to last week's story about Lizzo, where the Made in America Festival, which will be featuring both Lizzo and SZA, has officially been canceled. Um, so, where was this taking place? This, I believe, is in New York because this is the Jay-Z um, produced festival. It's existed in some sort and form since 2012, I believe. Um, and this is the first year that it's going to be, well, beyond, you know, pandemic. Uh, year, this one this is no was in Philly. Philly, okay, all right. But yeah, this is Jay-Z's uh, festival. Right, canceled due to, quote, severe circumstances sure. outside of production control. Seems like a lot of stuff. Maybe not just the Lizzo uh, predicament, but that may have had a impact in some of this decision. Yeah, well, you're right. It is the Jay-Z festival, so we'll, I mean, it's canceled, so we'll look out for refunds on your way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of things that were canceled, last week we talked about Travis Scott canceling uh his show in egypt well not canceling but postponing <laughs> until he can get the proper permits uh but instead travis scott announced circus maximus tours which we had said last week was going to be a one event single event in rome well turns out that's now going on tour in both the u.s and europe it's notable because this is, of course, his first tour since Astroworld and since the incident that took place there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how many people are still willing to go to a Travis Scott concert. Um, it'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, speaking of unfortunate things, uh, the Las Vegas police uh, have dropped battery in investigation on Cardi B over the microphone throwing incident. Yep. So this is a follow-up from last week's story. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll no longer be uh, pursuing this. Ooh, nice iced coffee frappuccino-looking thing there. Yes, mint. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love coffee bean. It's a hot day. <laughs> I'm just yeah. I'm just rolling with the the uh, diet or no zero sugar Pepsi over here. So <laughs> yeah, not the same really. Um, yeah, so uh, Cardi will not be part of this investigation anymore. They're just dropping that. Moving on from it, so, uh, yeah. I think they watched the video and determined no damn further damage is needed. Maybe, or it's just it wasn't a big deal, or maybe this was secretly settled. Secret settle. Maybe. Well, yes, you can meet Cardi B and apologize to her <laughs> face. Exactly, or no, Cardi B will send you $10,000. <laughs> it's okay. Just but either way, this over under the carpet over here. Okay, we're done. Yeah, police investigation <laughs> officially done. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Oh, we got some Taylor Swift news. Yeah. As uh, the VMA nominations came out for the video MTV Video Music Awards, and Taylor Swift leads all nominations with eight, followed by the aforementioned SZA with six nominations herself. This makes sense because the Midnight's era has involved with, like, has had, what, four videos at this point um, that Taylor mm -hmm. has made for it, and all of them are ridiculous, and <laughs> I'm not surprised at all to see her lead the VMAs here uh, with just sheer volume, if anything. Um, 
Yeah. It does lead credence to Taylor making the pivot after she's done with music and possibly this tour to more directing both music videos and possibly TV or features. I could see it. I could see it. She's already acted there, so why not do both? Yeah. Triple, quadruple threat, whatever she's at now. Why not? Truly. Hey, why not? Speaking of the said tour, uh, we all know that this is the last week that she is going to be on tour as she wraps up the L.A. shows. Mm -hmm. Is what we would have said had the news not broken last week that Taylor Swift announced additional... Ooh, ooh a whistle there. Yeah, that she that. announced <laughs> additional uh, Eras tour dates for both the U.S. and Canada. Yes. Next year, fall yeah. 2024. So it looks like she's giving herself a little break from touring. Uh, needless to say, she'll be in Europe a lot of 2024. So this was never going to be like a back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back kind of situation. So the the U.S. place uh, stadiums that she's playing that she did not play in the first leg include Indianapolis, Miami, right? No, somewhere in Florida. I forget. It might be Miami and New Orleans. I want to say it's Miami. So Miami She's sounds playing right. at the Hard Rock in Miami. Right. Okay. So those Hard are the Rock three. Stadium, yeah. So those are the three stops that she'll be doing next year that she didn't get to this year. Um. So so yeah, and then Canada. So if you're, I believe, in Toronto, yeah, uh, you'll be able to see her. Where Toronto will now be the last leg of that yes. tour. Yes. Uh, but yeah, for those of you who are going to the Taylor Swift. NLA concert this week. Sorry, it's no longer the um, finale, US finale that you thought it was going to be. Yeah, so I've been, you know, taking a look and it looks like nothing's dropping below $500, even after the show has started. Yep. Um, that being said, there have been rumblings and people posting videos of different, um, shall we say, close ups shots of. <laughs> Uh, videos and uh, some people um, possibly making a documentary style or actual like concert style video or movie yes. of the Eras tour at SoFi, much like how The Weeknd did his tour or his um, concert at SoFi that came yep. out earlier this year. Yeah. Don't be surprised if something else like that happens with uh, Taylor Swift. I think it's possible. I mean, fans already assumed that if there was going to be a, a concert video taken, it would be the SoFi week. Also, I saw a TikTok that suggested that there were slightly different wristbands given to attendees the first three LA nights as opposed to the latter half. And so people wonder if that's because they wanted a specific light show in the audience for the taped concerts <laughs> could be so yeah i think you're right but where will that land do you think that's net a netflix thing or disney plus uh if she's on with disney plus i'm sure it's disney they'll pay the money for it or yeah. what she will probably do is sell the dvd first or blu-ray first from her own site yeah. Make the initial investment up front and then put it to streaming. So yeah. sell to the fans first and then put it on streaming. Except that what makes this interesting compared to like the um the previous tours that she's done 
there's a surprise song that's different every single night. So which one does she choose? Hmm. Put in your bets I'm, now. I'm going to go with Maroon on that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. All right. Well, anyways, enough about Taylor Swift. Yes. Um, congratulations to those of you who were able to get tickets and pre-sale for the, I guess, leg B. Yeah. The 2024. That was today. Um, go on sale uh, today. Yeah. yeah Check your today. Ticketmaster notifications. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. Or don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, when I saw that, it I thought, oh, like that's this fall. In nope. August, in September. Nope. 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 Next year. Next year, 2024. <laughs> Check the year. Don't get too excited. <laughs> yep. uh, let's see here. And lastly, in music news, the aforementioned Lizzo has responded to sexual harassment and weight-shaming allegations in saying, quote, as unbelievable as they sound. This is just a part of her response. And basically, overall, though, she was just dismissive of them. Mm -hmm. um so she's taking instead of taking the maybe something happened we're looking into it approach she's going the other way which is just saying like no these stories are made up this is false um so yeah so it looks like this will not maybe not be a settlement maybe this will go a little further um uh down the line before anybody gets some sort of maybe a maybe some sort of court situation who knows but it looks like lizzo has chosen to make this difficult well she did um this quote does come from instagram and the full quote is usually i choose not to respond to false allegations but these are as unbelievable as they sound and too outrageous to not be addressed yeah um since this has happened i just just want to quickly mention I guess another person who was a somebody who used to work with Lizzo also came out this week saying that she was a difficult and arrogant person to work with. So we have corroboration is happening slowly. We'll, we'll see. Uh, we will see. We'll continue to keep watch. Um, Lizzo watch whenever Lizzo the watch. second shoe falls. We will see. All right. Did you listen to anything? Uh, this was kind of a slow week. I did get a new headphone amp, though, because my old one, uh, the volume knob broke. <laughs> so I got higher quality going on in these these ears. But besides that, no, I did not listen to anything of note. All right. Well, then let's move right on over then into video games. And we start with new releases, including Atlas Fallen for the PS5. Xbox Series X and PC. Hey, you remember Stray? Yeah. For the, for the PlayStation? Giddy. Giddy game. Well, now it's coming to Xbox One and Xbox Series X. So yeah, if you didn't get to play it on PC or the PS5, here's your chance. Uh, speaking of Stray, we also have Stray Gods, colon, the role-playing musical <laughs> for everything. You yeah, got, I don't you know can play it. I don't know anything about this. I don't know what this is, but apparently it's an RPG musical, which sounds sounds interesting, potentially. <laughs> uh, let's see here. We also have 30XX for the Switch and PC. Gord for the PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. Just in time for pumpkin season. Yeah. 
uh, Tower of Fantasy for the PS4 and PS5. And lastly, Wrestle Quest for everything. You got it? You can play it. It's a good name. I wonder if that's like a wrestling RPG. Sounds like it. Yeah. Speaking of RPGs, <laughs> there was a surprise Pokemon Presents. <laughs> and like the Chiron says, did they fix Scarlet and Violet? And the answer we, is no. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> no, uh, but we did get news on Detective Pikachu 2. Yes. The game. Yes. Not the movie. No. The game. The game. Will be out October 6th. Yeah, they showed a new trailer for it, which also sound, seemed pretty cool. They kind of broke down the mechanics of it. You're solving crimes in a professor, uh, not Professor Layton, um, a uh, Ace Attorney style kind of way. Uh, the human talks to the humans. Pikachu talks to the Pokemon. It makes sense. Uh, there's even Pokemon that you can kind of team up during your investigations with um, to, say, track a scent with Growlithe or something like that. It's it's It seems neat. I was watching with Christy, and she's like, absolutely day one on this thing she wants to play this so bad she's a detective yeah she wants to solve the mystery (laughs) she loves mystery stuff so this is right up her alley all right uh something not up her alley uh, is pokemon trading card game and pokemon stadium 2 are available today on switch online yes so if you are already a subscriber to the um switch online service uh if you have the game boy and the n64 packs with the expansion pack as they call it Mm -hmm. uh you get access to these today so um i had both of these games uh pokemon trading card game is a classic a lot of people liked having kind of a game version of the trading card game and it's kind of neat that it has like a campaign storyline sort of around the cards it's unique and they never did it again well they did. There was a sequel in Japan for the Game Boy Advance that never came here. But the original did come here and a lot of people are nostalgic for it. Meanwhile, Pokemon Stadium 2, Pokemon Stadium 1's already available for the service. 2 adds, of course, the Gold and Silver Generation Gen 2 Pokemon. It also has a brand new set of mini games. Uh, so, yeah. A lot of cool stuff. Um, not listed here, but just to make note of it, uh, that Pokemon Sleep app is available. You can have you try it. You can download it. You can use it. Yeah. You, you just have to keep it plugged in and the phone on your bed. You cannot put it on a charger. It does not work. Yeah. No. It has to because that's the whole thing. Is it tracks your sleep patterns through? I guess feeling the mat your movements on the mattress. And so yeah, if you have yeah. it over there, it's not going to recognize anything. Yeah. I am also somebody who sleeps with my phone on a stand. And so that's why I've not downloaded or tried this. Yeah, I had it on instant download when it came available. Um, downloaded, and I was reading through the instructions, and yep, I can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. Okay, enough of everything else out of the way. The real yes. news, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. Yes. We got some new information coming today, including Mew 2. Raids coming to both Scarlet and Violet, yep. as well as free Mew 1 mm-hmm. with mystery <laughs> gift code. Mew 1. It's like the well, PlayStation. Yeah, if you're going to call one Mew 2, you might as well have a Mew 1 or Mew 3. <laughs> but yeah, so that'll work with the mystery gift um, thing. You enter the code. It's available via if you go to the Pokemon social media channels. I believe you can find it. Yep. Um, yeah, Mew and Mew 2. Um, 
Sure, why not? Yeah, throw a couple of muse out there. <laughs> uh, let's see here. There was also a Frist. First, Scarlet. <laughs> Frist. Scarlet DLC, the the teal mask coming on September 13th, mm -hmm. alongside new selfie options and EV training mini games for all of you who want to improve your EVs. Mm -hmm. Not so, the Pokemon EVs. No, EV. EV, EV. Um, so, yeah, this is the first of two DLCs. Um, they talked about both of them here. The teal disc, the teal mask is the first one, and honestly, it seems like the weaker and smaller of the two. Um, I think this is that follows a similar pattern as the Sword and Shield DLC, uh, where the first one is just a little bit more stuff to do, some additional Pokemon, some story content, and yeah, these two uh, like the the more picture kind of photography stuff, and uh, this EV training where your Pokemon are eating mochi to gain EV uh, stats. And then that brings us into the DLC 2. Second one. Yep. The second one called the Indigo Disc, which will launch in the winter and feature a new school and battle options. This is the big one because this one's going to be battle centric. It looks like kind of a new league to fight. Um, and that it seems like a much meatier package than the first DLC. Um, as it also said, like, oh, you'll have also this, like, in within this indigo disc, which is this, like, indoor kind of biome kind of thing, there are wild areas, per se. Obviously, they're not using those terms anymore, but, like, mm -hmm. the equivalent of the those, like, uh, set up in this, like, little biome thing on top of all that tournament stuff. So, a lot of Pokemon to catch, a lot of battles to have. So, these look pretty big. Um, I want to note... I'm not sure what uh, platform or uh, circumstances that they were using to show this footage off, but it looked like it was running pretty well, unlike the actual game. So that means one of two things. Either they're showing this working in a perfect environment, like running off a dev kit or something, or maybe there's a patch coming for performance. I'm Do a started... performance patch, not a performance console? Well, yeah, who knows about that. I've been trying to avoid stories, by the way, about that, because nothing's confirmed quite yet. Mm -hmm. but yes, we are aware, in case you want to write to the podcast and complain that we're not talking about it. Yes, we are aware that some reports have come out about Switch 2 being manufactured and being targeted for a latter half of 2024 release. Until Nintendo says something, we're not going to report it here. But yes, we are aware. Anyways. Yes. Until they say something official. Yeah. Um, it's now a pie in the sky. Comment message boards. <laughs> um, nothing officially hitting the channels yet. So regardless of the, all that, um, yeah, I'm holding off. This DLC looks good. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of cool mm -hmm. stuff in here. I am holding off, though, because I want to make sure that I will. I can play this game, and it's not a pain in the ass to play anymore because it still is. <laughs> so fingers crossed that maybe they do something before the release of these. All right. Uh, let's see here. Anything else with Pokemon then? Uh, that was oh, the bulk of it. They did show the um new. Was it Raikou? Ryoku? Yeah, there are a couple of uh new legendaries. One that seems to be like a different form of Raikou, the legendary dog. 
Um, but yeah, each one of these is always comes with like special legendaries to right. catch. Either the ancient or the um, steel version. Yeah, the future couple, version. A couple of other notes about the the non game notes about the the uh, presents. They showed a trailer with more footage of the U.S. Uh, dub of Pokemon Horizons. Mm-hmm. They also showed a trailer for a new Paldea themed mini series uh, called P- Paldean Winds, I believe. Uh, similar to Hisuian Snow, which came out with Arceus. Um, so it's another one of those web short miniseries. Uh, looks pretty cool, though. Uh, it follows a group of students that are at the Academy in Paldea. And then also um, a new animated uh, short, I believe. I think it's just one short um, for now, and then maybe they're going to do a couple more um, about the trading card game. Uh, this looks like a Western production. Um, and is not an anime and looks like going to follow a, a young girl as she gar- joins a group, uh, a club of Pokemon card experts. Seems cute. Right, and that will coincide with the Pokemon card game tournament happening yes. in a couple of weeks here. Yes, in Japan, um, yes. which they talked about briefly as well. So yeah, yep. that was the present. So if you want to go to Japan in the upcoming weeks, you can get a bunch of new Pokemon merch with it. And you can do that. All right. Enough which about is more, po- which is harder to get the Pokemon merch at the the Pokemon World Champions or the Taylor Swift merch at the thing outside of SoFi? <laughs> uh, the Taylor Swift merch because that thing literally wrapped around the lake. <laughs> oh yeah, I heard that on Sunday, the day that she wasn't doing a concert, it was still open. It was still ridiculous. Yep. Uh, Kiss FM, our local pop station, was giving away Taylor Swift merch packs because, because they, they can't give away tickets. tickets. Yep. So it's the one, like, it's so funny. They're doing, like, they've, like, they're calling themselves Swift FM this week and, like, playing Taylor every, like, every break. And yet they can't give away tickets because there are no <laughs> tickets. It's absurd. It's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But yeah, so LA Life. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, but outside of both Pokemon and Taylor Swift, Nintendo did have a record quarter as yes. The Legend of Zelda colon, Tears of the Kingdom, drove a record quarter for Nintendo Switch, with the company confirming it sold 18.51 million units of the game as of June 30th. During the three-month period, global sell-through of first-party software reached the highest level for a first quarter since the Nintendo Switch launched in 2017. <laughs> um, Nintendo also enjoyed a record first quarter profit of 185.4 billion yen or 1.294 billion dollars which for those of you keeping score at home is up 82% and surpasses the 2020 period when it released Animal Crossing New Horizons at the start of COVID-19 lockdown, which helped boost its sales. So yeah, everybody kind of wondered in 2020 whether that was going to be the peak of the Switch, because everybody was like, oh wow, everybody's home and buying video games, it's nuts. And so to have them outdo even that, now that people are no longer locked down, means that the Switch is still incredibly popular. So it makes you wonder, well, how legit are these rumors about the Switch too? Because if Nintendo has such a sales juggernaut still, 
what they probably to a certain extent don't feel the pressure at least financially to go and bother releasing a new console that could potentially split their market but there's one thing why i think that there is some truth to the rumors and why we will probably get a new switches is because despite the sales numbers still being strong the developers are probably breathing down nintendo's neck and being like we can't do this anymore like we can't make games for this thing anymore this we're diminishing returns i mean look at scarlet and violence the perfect example of this is like it only works as long as you work with the technology and the technology is getting old at this point and you can't keep putting out triple a titles on a cloud-based platform either no. no so yeah i do think that we will get a hardware revision next year but man the fact that it's still selling as well as it is yeah, it's 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 never this we Nintendo has never had to deal with this problem before because even the Wii, which was also a huge juggernaut in its first few years, by year six it had already been on the downhill slope. The Switch never stopped. The Switch is only getting bigger. Nintendo has never seen this happen before. This is not any like the like I don't I think the only comparison you could make is maybe the PlayStation Two. Like, I don't think that there's any comparison. Well, you know, it does help when you put out your kind of flagpole marquee games of Mario Odyssey one year, um, Breath of the Wild the first year, second year, um, Animal Crossing the next year, Pokemon the next year, Switch, uh, Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom the following year. Like, yep. if you consistently put out your, oh, and Metroid Prime or Metroid Dread, throw that in there as well. Like If you consistently put out your first-party games at good levels that make people want to play them, it's going to drive the sales of the consoles. Yeah, and they're not done. We still have Mario Wonder coming out in October. Yep. I mean, so, Pikmin 4 just dropped, too. And Pikmin 4 just happened. It's, yeah, um, it's just going to be an incredible system to try to, to catch up, to follow up if you're Nintendo. I don't know how they do it. But they're going to try. <laughs> All right. Let's move on then to the second half of this show, which of course is starts with television. And we always start television with the sports corner. As you point, we start with sports with some sad news for fans of the U.S. women's soccer team. Unfortunately, they were eliminated from World Cup contention in the 16th round by Sweden and by a very small margin. <laughs> Uh, by a penalty kick mm -hmm. that was also a blocked penalty kick, but so much force on it that it did cross technically cross the line, thus counting technically as a goal. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, nonetheless, though, it just wasn't the it wasn't the year for the team. Um, a lot of I've seen a lot of fingers pointed at their coach. What are your thoughts about this? Uh, depends on what um, platform you're looking at and kind of <laughs> people you are following. Some people pointed to the coach. Some people pointed all the blame on Megan Rapino and how she wasn't even playing in the last three games, coming in as a sub for the last 20 minutes. Yeah. And then, really depending on where you're at, a lot of people were pointing the finger on them having exerted all their time in the legal battles the past couple of years for okay. equal pay that it, quote, influenced their play well i'm gonna rule out that last one um 
Boy, I'm just seen... reporting here. I, I don't know. do that either. We've seen how uh, incredible of athletes they are, and when they were playing well, they were playing well. Um, but, okay, but... here's the actual truth of why they were eliminated. You can't be good all the time, and there is good competition around the world, and this just proves it. Yeah. Um, the fact that they were only able to win one game in group play and tie to the other two, and then lost here, that we need better scorers. Yeah. I think we need a younger team out there, faster team, but also just the level of competition around the world has gotten better. You can't have just be dominant year after year after year with everyone else not being able to catch up to you. Eventually, they will catch up and surpass you, and that's just the where we're at right now. We're at the surpassing level. Yeah. You got to get back to um, to the level of competition of the world. Yeah, It's sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, things come in waves. It's why the same team doesn't win for like 10 years straight. It's It's always ups and downs no matter what and this is just we're seeing that on the global scale it just happens um which you're right like it's always gonna other teams are always gonna get better um so you just have to maintain what you have and work with your strengths and you're right and they've already got the seeds of a younger faster team already on their lineup it's just that they're not in charge yet they're not taking full advantage because they're new they're rookies let them grow let them practice let them develop a new feel for the team with that younger spirit and then maybe who knows what we'll see in four years yeah when you have veterans like rapino like o'hara like Ertz, who come off the bench it's saying that your veterans are not the stars here it's the yeah. new team but they're not outside of alex morgan <laughs> not really stepping up and playing to that yeah. level yet i was just gonna say like what does what what does your uh your uh, bestie Alex Morgan say about all this? <laughs> uh, you know, the level of competition is better, so we have to get better. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, uh, so just dust it off the shoulders. Let's move on to the next one uh, because this one is done. Well, for the U.S., otherwise yes. you can still root on yes. the remaining teams. That's not to discount them. Mm-hmm. Go Brazil! Oh, I think you guys are pretty good. So keep an eye out for those. Meanwhile, hey, football is kind of back. At least we had yes. a football game this past US week. U.S. football, not international football. Correct, yes. I should clarify. Yes, American football and not the band. Um, we had the Hall of Fame game in which the Browns beat the Jets. It's 21-16. to This will not count as an official win for no. the Browns. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> As much as Browns fans would want it to. Uh, We also, that of course, coincided with the 2024 Hall of Fame first ballot nominees. Well, no. This is next year's nominees. I know, but they announced them. Well, yes. This is so... (laughs) Well, they they didn't technically, like, announce them. This is just anyone who becomes eligible after the five years have Uh, passed since they announced retirement. Got it. Okay. So, eligible... For, for the next Hall of Fame next Hall of year, Fame. yes, include. See, this is you got to phrase it because I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Those names include Julius Peppers, Antonio Gates, Jamal Charles, Brandon Marshall, Sebastian Janikowski, Andrew Luck, Eric Berry, and Haloti Nagata. 
That's Haloti Nada. Oh, you don't G pronounce the G. Uh, yes. Any relation? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, are these uh, are these good picks? You think they? Uh, who makes it? You think? Uh, in terms of being a first battle, which is hard in itself, means mm -hmm. that you're like, yes, just do you see him on the name? Yes, right. They had a great Hall of Fame career. I would put Antonio Gates and probably Julius Peppers as the two to get in on a first ballot. Yeah. I mean, Janikowski played for a very long time. Do you think that he's uh, one of those in contention there? Yeah, but he was a Raider, so I don't know how much of that really counts. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. Let me put it what this way. If Devin Hester cannot get in on a first ballot nominee, Mm. They put the bar really high for first ballot. So what does that say about your man, Andrew Luck? Oh, I'm just happy he's even nominated here. <laughs> oh. All right. So then we'll see um, when we uh, talk yes, about it the does, Hall of Fame next year. It, it does put the reminder that it has been five years since Andrew Luck officially announced his retirement after a preseason game. Yes. Oh, well. Sad, but hey. Yep. Maybe this is maybe he will be rewarded for his years of service. His um eight years of service or whatever six and years ended up being. Oh. Yeah. Six years of service. Speaking of rewarded, the Baltimore Orioles and Atlanta Braves are the first in the MLB to pass the 70 win mark and are uh, by far probably the best performing teams overall in the league right now. Um, baseball yep. continues to baseball as we get into um, kind of the dog days of summer here and games start getting more and more important. So if you're a Baltimore or Atlanta fan, you are in good spot right now. Meanwhile, in the race to the bottom, the <laughs> Oakland Athletics and the Kansas City Royals yes. are the only teams left to have not reached 40 wins in a season. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, not a great year for either of those teams, but they've been lousy all season long, so it's not super surprising. Uh, in the, meanwhile, in the race to the middle... Uh, you mean the wild card? <laughs> oh, boy. It's just embarrassing how back and forth all sorts of teams are. Some teams got really hot after the uh, the uh, the trade deadline. Uh, it seems like um, some of those other teams have, over, have completely frozen. Um, the Angels, for example, have enjoyed seven losses <laughs> in a row. Um, so yeah, uh, it really, really depends. Um, it's yeah, a very strange, streak. yeah, they're it's a very streak. strange look for the for, as a whole for the league right now. That is currently the largest streak in the MLB, both either counting wins or losses. Oh, you hate to see it. Well, I mean, what team you root for? But yes, yeah, I'm see knocking it. on wood. There is another game today. We will see how what happens. Uh, maybe there's some. Maybe life they left. don't blow it in the ninth. <sighs> yeah, maybe we'll see. Anyways, that's baseball. Meanwhile, yeah, anyways, um, the race is close for that uh, wild card. We yeah. do have the month, the months of August and September to go through. Correct. So any huge swing and run can take place. Yes. These are not set in stone. It could be you. Whoever is you, listening MLB to this. You, MLB team that is listening to us. Yes, exactly. Thank you for your ears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shohei Otani, if you're listening to this, hi. Anyways. 
Lastly, in sports news, before we move to a bigger sports story, we touch on college football, which starts in two weeks. Yep. Uh, we are literally two weeks away from kickoff for college football with Navy versus Notre Dame on NBC. Yes. Uh, that will be on the 26th um, end of August. Yes. But that was not the big news no. that shook NCAA football and really schools yeah. this past week. It's time to potentially pour one out for the Pac-12. Whatever is left. Cheers, yes. Yes, to, cheers to the 100 years of Conference of Champions. <laughs> yes. Now jump in the grave. <laughs> Whatever is left of the Pac-12 isn't what the Pac-12 used to be. Starting next season, 2024, only four schools, that would be Cal, Oregon State, Washington State, and Stanford, will remain as the other eight members have been accepted into the Big Ten or Big 12 as part of a conference realignment. So Each, there was a yeah. news story today that I saw that said both Cal and Stanford are currently in talks, though, to join the ACC. Right. I also, yes, we talked about this briefly last week because I remember you made a joke about that being super weird. Well, yes, they were, um, they made official like submissions though this past week. Okay. That both Cal and Stanford, two California teams, <laughs> have been asked or are asking to join the Atlantic, Atlantic. Coast Conference. <laughs> uh, just, you know. Really? They're, they're, of course, they're ACC teams. Yeah. They're in the name. <laughs> yeah, of course. Anyways, each school will say they moved for different reasons, but the botched media rights attempt for the Pac 12 seems to be a common sticking point. So, currently, the Pac 12's media rights deal is with ESPN and Fox, but it expires at the conclusion of the upcoming season. While a new media rights deal from Apple came in at $20 million annually per school before incentives, it's nearly $12 million less per year than the next lowest deal for a power conference. By the way, Big 12 teams are set to earn $31.7 million annually. And Pac-12 was being offered $20 million. Yeah, so that's a big difference. Despite more than a year passing since negotiations for that new TV contract began back in June 2022, the league had not presented a firm media rights deal to its member schools until this past Tuesday. So, yeah. And that was when everyone said, no, thank you. Right. We're going to go to where there actually is a deal. So, again, it really comes down to money, is that... They want to be in the division where they're going to be exposed to the most people, getting the most money back from it. And why not? And if the Pac-12 is not offering you that, like, it makes sense to try your hand at a different division. Like, a different division. Like, why not? It's funny because, like, when you talk to these schools or, like, you read all the articles, no one's essentially pointing a finger and saying, like, well, we did it because they did it or we right. did it because this person said we should do it or we're doing it because... This comp this person in the conference doesn't really like us, so we're going to go over here. But the common denominator is 
because it's a school and not a business, right? <laughs> is that it's money? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember, it's school, yeah. not a it's business. A school, not a business. It's uh, you know, we always are saying that here in the Media Boat Podcast. It's a school, yes. not a business. <laughs> Anyways. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately, we'll see how it all shakes up. But the Pac-12 is going to have to do a lot in order to get schools to come back. And I don't know if they survive it. Well, you know, everyone's doing this because of football, because it makes the $32 million per per year. But what about all the other sports (laughs) tied to it? They get along for the ride, I guess, unfortunately. Uh, So we'll see what happens. You're going to get baseball players playing in Texas. While still going to school, yeah, I guess so. While on like game road trips, it's it's gonna be hectic. So look forward to that. In the meantime, speaking of hectic, the WGA is still trying to meet with the producers on a new deal. This much anticipated new meeting, following the of course meeting that caused the strike in the first place took place on Friday afternoon in Sherman Oaks and ran about, let's say, an hour. Uh, But it did not go well. So this was between the AMPTP and WGA negotiators and general counsel. Sources say that the WGA made it clear they will not bend on proposals to establish minimum staffing levels in episodic TV and a guaranteed minimum number of weeks of of, of employment, weeks of employment. The producers have called those proposals non-starters and gave no indication on Friday that they're prepared to change their position. However, even if the WGA gets a deal, writers will still honor all picket lines, meaning the SAG-AFTRA one. So if the writers do sign a deal before the actors do, they will still show solidarity and strike alongside SAG-AFTRA. Not that that's going to be anytime soon, because if this story proves anything... Uh, the producers just continue to just completely just ignore the demands. Right. I mean, because these are articles that we pull typically for both like Deadline, Variety, Hollywood Reporter, owned by one (laughs) Penske Media, as we've reported on before, uh, that is in bed with the Producers Guild. Yeah. um, That these, uh, I just want to put out there, be careful where you get the news from yes. because they can be a skewed view. Yeah. Like this article, um, trying to pin it on WGA saying that they will not bend on both the minimum staffing levels and the minimum weeks of employment, saying that they're non starters. Right. Well, you know, minimum <laughs> wage also used to be a non starter. <laughs> Fraternity leave also right. used to be a non starter. Um, ten hour workdays also used to be a non starter. Like that's the reason why they're here. That's the reason why they're negotiating is because they want to get the conversation started on these. You can't yeah. just keep kicking the can down the road. That's how things don't change. Yeah. Like this so, is good on the WGA. This is, they put out this article in order to like get our people, uh, the writers and other people to read it and be like, why don't they, you know, bend. And then we can start negotiating. It's like, but no, like that's literally why they're striking is to get, yeah better benefits, better employment, better contracts. So, yeah, I mean, it seemed like from people uh, from the Writers Guild perspective that this 
they pretty much expected this meeting to go as it did because they had mm -hmm. pretty much heard ahead of time. It's like, oh yeah, they're not bringing anything new to the table. They're just going to probably, tr they're going to just try to stonewall you and just be like, well, I'm sorry. Like, this is what all you can do. And that's sure enough what happened. That's why it was only an hour long and it's, nothing got done. <laughs> it's so you can both make a checkbox that says, hey, I tried reaching out to you. You right. are the one being um, unreasonable here. So I want to go tell these papers and news outlets that we both own, that we own over here, not the right. WGA, that we own on the producer side, and say, we tried talking with them. They're the one being unreasonable with these demands. Right. So we continue to strike. They'll continue to form lines and like, yeah, we'll just have to wait um, until this happens again. And finally, the producers realize that they need to come to the table with something. They need to offer something, move the ball, because right now there's no movement and we're just going to stay like this in purgatory until there is. We have WGA and SAG-AFTRA both on strike. Still. All right. So those are your television news stories. This week, did we watch anything of note? Um, Not anything new. Uh, I do want to make a note, though. The so a couple of weeks ago, I did talk about on uh, Netflix the anime Zom 100. Yeah, turns out Netflix made a live action movie about Zom 100, which is why they put the anime out, and now the live wow. action movie is also out. So you can watch both and compare. Well, there you go. Have you done that yet? No, <laughs> fair enough. All right, well, um, and then stuff that is premiering today. Um, the eighth, as we speak, Hard Knocks, yep, and Only Murders in the Building, yes. So we will have thoughts on that next week. Next week, we'll definitely be watching that. Speaking of mysteries, Christy is very excited for that one as well. Yes. All right. So since we don't have any television shows to talk about, we can move right on into cancellations and renewals. What am I no longer watching? You're no longer watching City on Fire on Apple TV Plus, as that has been canceled after just one season. But you are watching more The Summer I Turned Pretty, as its third season has been confirmed for Prime Video. Um, Congratulations. I guess. Um, Chrissy likes the book on which that's based, but we haven't watched the show. Um, Note. Taylor Taylor Swift speaking again about her because she pops up in every single segment <laughs> of the show. Apparently, um, she uh, re uh, revealed the um, Taylor's version version of Delicate in a trailer for the Summerized Turned Pretty, which has people, of course, freaking out about his reputation next. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> okay, but yeah, for now, that's all we know. All right, let's move on into everyone's favorite uh, part of the show if not deaths where we talk about recent deaths in pop culture and you are writing one down at the moment i do i do recall this happening earlier today i did not see this happening so that's why yeah, I'm i know it's a sad one but first and oh, this one yeah we had mark margolis age 83 actor was in shows like breaking bad better call saul and pie so uh recent, yeah one of the older yeah. yeah he was an older actor on those shows but yeah uh wasn't part of the breaking bad universe then became part mm -hmm. of the better call Saul right 
uh, the universe. And then Life of Pi, or not, not Life of Pi, that's just Pi. Not Life of the David Fincher film. Right. Yes. We also had DJ Casper, age eight, uh, 58. That's pretty young. Uh, DJ and songwriter, but best known as the writer of everybody's favorite wedding classic, The Cha Cha Slide. So, should we clap, clap, clap our hands? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure what he would want was we should all do the cha-cha slide today in honor of him. Um, Because, yeah, it's just such a staple. You hear it at every middle school dance to proms to, like I said, weddings. It's at every wedding I've been to. Well, Um, you know, ever since he put out something new, the Casper Slide Part 2. Oh, well, and this is where we get funky, 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 oh, funky. Oh, right. That is where you get funky. You got it. Yeah. Funky, 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 funky. <laughs> but yeah, so, but yeah, by itself, even if he had only written the cha-cha slide, he would be a legend. So yes, uh, R.I.P. DJ Casper. And then lastly, we have William Friedkin, age 87. Director, was the director of The French Connection, The Exorcist, and To Live and Die in L.A. Definitely a legend amongst uh directors in hollywood a lot of very important significant movies under his belt yeah i believe he yeah he did he won the oscar in 71 for the exorcist right so oscar under his belt as well he will be missed certainly uh so those are your deaths Let's move on. We're just trucking along in this podcast, aren't uh, we? Yes, we're just moving right along. This is a fast uh, one. This is like going to be half of what last week's was. Let's talk about movies and let's talk about the weekend box office numbers. Like we thought would happen, your number one movie is still Barbie at $53 million this weekend. 459 total domestic. And yes, we'll talk about it in a moment. Past the billion dollar mark worldwide. At number two is Meg 2, colon, The Trench. Made a cool $30 million. That's not bad, actually, considering how the box office has been lately. Um, good for the Meg. People actually went and saw it this week. Number three, Oppenheimer continues to chug along with another $29 million. That's at $228 million domestic, and I believe around just broke four hundred k worldwide. Or million, yep. not K. And it also got an extension in the IMAX uh, yes. screenings. Yes. So you can still see your 70 millimeter IMAX print in Oppenheimer. As long as they don't break it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem in its second week made $28 million. That's sitting at 43. That is not its second week. That's its first week. It's uh, got the oh. rare Wednesday release. You're right. You're right. So, um, well, I guess that considered, it's not that it hasn't debuted as strong as people thought it would. Um, I, no, maybe um, they were hoping for for counter plastering Seth Rogen's name everywhere yeah. probably didn't do the the justice they thought it would. Well, I mostly think it's like if they thought this was going to be counter programming for Barbie and Oppenheimer, it just didn't work that way. Or the Meg, or Meg Two. <laughs> And I also, I'm pretty sure nobody expected the bar- that Barbie especially would do as well as it did for as long as it's doing, because mm-hmm. I think maybe part of it. And then rounding out your top five, another uh, film that probably the studio was hoping would do better, Haunted Mansion, with only $9 million, adding to a measly 42 over three weeks now. Um, so yeah, it's not doing well. So those are your box office numbers for this week moving on to upcoming new releases 
We have two this week, although do we? Because I'm pretty sure that one of these got pushed. Uh, it did, but it yeah. is a release if you have PlayStation 5. Well, it's not. I'm gonna, okay. So I'm going to move that to next week. Uh, but for this week, we do have one new release. Last Voyage of the Demeter, which we saw a trailer for this. Yes, this is um, Dracula on a ship. Yes. <laughs> if that's something you always wanted, well, we got a movie for you. Otherwise, there is a movie out, technically getting a wide release, called Jules, about the writer Jules Verne. Okay. Uh, that one starring Ben Kingsley. Yes. As the but, titular Jules. But in case if you're wondering about Gran Turismo, it was supposed to be this week, it has been pushed to the end of the month. Yes, but like I said, <laughs> um, if you have PlayStation, you can see it early on PlayStation. Yeah. But uh, chances are, just like the rest of America, you don't care about that movie. Let's move on. <laughs> To the first story of our movie news this week, which, as I mentioned in the box office section, is about Barbie's billion dollars. Barbie has indeed now crossed $1 billion global in just its third weekend. Barbie has also held the number one rank in 35 markets and is now the second biggest studio film of 2023, both internationally and globally, behind, of course, the Super Mario Brothers movie. For now, it, if it continues <laughs> to have legs... It could absolutely pass Mario. And there's, there's one thing Barbie's known for. Yes. It's her multiple jobs yes. and opportunities. Oh, but also... <laughs> but yes. I see what you're doing. Anyways, that makes director Greta Gerwig the only woman in the Billion Dollar Club with sole credit for directing a film. Note, both Frozen and Frozen 2 were co-directed by a woman, Jennifer Lee. And Anna Bowden co-directed Captain Marvel. At this moment, 53 films have made more than a billion dollars. Barbie is among only nine that center female protagonists. Wow, that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, uh, just shows the strength of both Barbie and the directing power of Greta Gerwig. And yeah. what happens when a studio puts a auteur mm -hmm. in charge of their products and Let's them actually make a film that they want to make. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a little bit. I have now seen Barbie, so we can actually have a real conversation about it this week. Ooh, okay. But, uh, maybe, that'll, maybe that'll push it to the hour and a half mark. Then. Maybe, we'll see. I don't think we're going to talk <laughs> for an entire hour about Barbie, but we will talk about Barbie. Uh, thankfully, I burned all, some of what I had to say with a thoughts post on the website, so I, I'm not going to go 30 minutes <laughs> like I could have if I didn't do that. Uh, but what I will say is, yes, as for the story, yeah, it's a big deal. Congratulations uh, to Greta Gerwig for making this milestone. Um, I'm sure there will be more to follow. Fingers crossed. And yeah, as you're saying, it's a reminder to studios that putting a woman as your director and putting your woman in a lead role, like a woman in a lead role in a big blockbuster film, does not mean that it's going to do badly. This is proof that it can do well. Yes, is it helped by the fact that everybody knows what a Barbie is? Probably. But I feel like by itself, the like the film the film and the word of mouth around it had to do some of the help to get it to the stratosphere like it has. It can't just be the Barbie name. But we'll see what lessons Hollywood takes from this, because I think there's 
multiple directions it could go. And if we know anything about Hollywood, they often learn the wrong lessons from things like this. So we'll what see. you mean? They watch the Barbie movie and take the long, the wrong lessons from it. Like, yeah. what what kind of movie would that even look like? Oh boy, we could probably think of one. Um, but yeah. We'll talk more about that when we talk about Barbie, about yes. the laundry list of Mattel properties that are now going to be farmed out for a movie. Uh, right. We'll see. But Mattel isn't the only one no. who is making movies based off toys. So yeah, Hasbro has uh, for a while. But what I didn't know going into this week was that Hasbro also happens to own, um, let's say, a studio that dabbles in other properties for film and television that have nothing to do with their toys well they owned it they don't anymore i feel like we talked about this in 2019 when they bought yeah, it <laughs> maybe but i don't i didn't realize that since then they've made some really successful stuff so here's the story lionsgate is set to buy hasbro entertainment's one e1 film and tv business or entertainment one or e1 which we'll refer to it as Mm -hmm. and TV business for $500 million. Quote, the transaction has been approved by both companies' boards of directors and remains subject to customary closing conditions. End quote. The deal is expected to close by the end of 2023. Hasbro acquired E1 back in 2019, as you mentioned, as part of a $4 billion all-cash transaction. At the time, Hasbro looked to the E1 deal to build the toy maker into a media contender as it combined the indie studio's film and TV unit with its own. According to a press release from Hasbro, quote, the sale will include a talented team of employees, a content library of nearly 6,500 titles, active productions for non-Hasbro-owned IP like The Rookie, Yellow Jackets, and Naked and Afraid franchises, and the E1 unscripted business, which will include rights for certain Hasbro-based shows like Play-Doh Squished. Meanwhile, popular IP in the Hasbro family brand division, like Peppa Pig, Transformers, Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, My Little Pony, Power Rangers, Play-Doh, Monopoly, and Clue were not only excluded from the deal, but will see, quote, significant development, production, and financing capabilities, unquote, support across film, TV, animation, and digital shorts, as they've been rolled into Hasbro's brand's licensing and merchandising operation. So, basically, what's happening here? Even though Hasbro owned Entertainment One and used the Entertainment One company, basically, to put out stuff with their IP, Lionsgate doesn't get any of that. Lionsgate is basically getting the non-Hasbro-owned stuff and the studio that came with it. But Hasbro is still going to make deals, probably, with other studios to create television and movies based on their IP that they want to keep having complete creative control over. Yes, but Transformers will still be a universal property. Right. Everything else will get a first look through Lionsgate. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. Dungeons and Dragons will get a first look or as its deal with Paramount. Uh -huh. But everything else, as mentioned, um, first look through Lionsgate. I think the recent Power Rangers film was also through Lionsgate. Okay. Or was that Legendary? That might have been I Legendary. I don't remember. Maybe. Uh, but going forward, Lionsgate 
like, as you mentioned, basically of that $4 billion deal, only purchased the E1 Entertainment mm-hmm. yeah. um, for $500 million. Right. Yeah. That being said, following the story, there were other stories about a Monopoly film in the works at Lionsgate in partnership with Hasbro. Okay. And like we kind of mentioned just a moment ago, Hasbro is probably kind of looking at the success of something like Barbie and being like, well, what do we have that we can do like that? Again, learning the wrong lessons from the film, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but yeah, you mean I think we're not going to get My Little Pony and then they come into here, into the real world, and be horrified by brony culture? I have a feeling that will never happen. <laughs> I have a feeling that will happen. <laughs> oh boy. Uh I don't know. We'll we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh a couple times actually. Um but yeah. So I don't know how I feel about this. I mean it's interesting. I think what like I said, I think the most interesting thing to me about the story is I had no idea that E1 was responsible for such big shit like yellow jackets and naked and afraid, like stuff that like has been a huge success. Um, so good for them, first of all, and I like. Mm-hmm. I guess Lionsgate is a good home for those those franchises. I mean, don't knock the rookie because that even got its own spinoff. That's true; it did very quickly too. So well, five years isn't quick. Also, five years is a long time to still be considered a rookie. I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> you make that joke every year. Anyway, <laughs> you make that joke every time it gets renewed. You're like. Such and well, such yeah, stuff, well, please like stop calling it the rookie or get a new rookie. The veteran, just call it that. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, Lionsgate, good deal, I think. And especially paying, like, what, a quarter of, like, not even a quarter, like, an eighth, an eighth. of what they paid for. Yeah. So there you go. All right. That's it for movie news. Did we watch any movies this week? Well, did you watch any movies this week? Ooh, did I? No. No, I didn't. Did I? No. Okay. Not this week. I talked all about my stuff that I watched last week. Last week. Well, I got my movie on. I didn't watch just one movie. I watched two movies, but don't worry. I'm not going to talk about the other one because the other one was I finally watched 2009's Whip It, directed by Drew Barrymore. The roller (laughs) derby one? Yeah, I hadn't seen it. We watched it. We had a good time. But anyways, after that, we actually went to a movie theater, and yes, Christine and I finally saw Barbie. And like I said, I wanted to wait until I had seen it so we could really delve into it, because, and I know this is for sure, especially now after seeing it, it is really hard to talk about that movie without getting into spoilers. And yet, I did last week. Yeah, you gave a very surface-level opinion about it, so do you want to reiterate that here? Is this, like, surface-level how you felt about it? So it's a good film directed by a good director starring mm-hmm. a great cast. Um, yep. And the basic premise is Barbie's being a little bit dysfunctional. Something's happening. So she comes to the real world to find out what's going on, only to realize that people aren't really getting the Barbie message that she sent out to make. Mm-hmm. And neither is Ken. Right. So he brings himself uh, back to the Barbie land and basically stages a revolt. And it's up to Barbie to save the day. Starring a cavalcade of colorful characters, yeah. including one Will Ferrell as the CEO of Mattel. So, that's all true. That is, this, the movie is doing all of those things. 
and it does a good job at all of what you said. And here's where the spoilers start. But the thing about this movie is what it's actually doing is way crazier and way beyond what I expected it to be. I guess I should have expected to a certain extent that it would be doing something under the surface, considering it's Greta Gerwig co-writing the script and directing and she's not necessarily somebody who makes surface level family films mm-hmm. and so i should have known that that's not what this is going to be see ladybird for yeah, example right, exactly <laughs> there's a lot of her in this film and it comes out being essentially kind of a summit on the state of feminism in 2023 <laughs> yeah as yeah, well possibly. as as well as being commentary on what Barbie means in 2023 the the concept of Barbie the doll the franchise the the image the vibe like it's manages to tell basically the story of Barbie and make it feel like it is the story of women and it feels massive like the the the, the stuff that it's trying to do is so ambitious and so big that it's really hard to like even know where to really start. So as I mentioned, I wrote a piece for the website. If you want to go to mediaboatpodcast.com, kind of read my thoughts about the movie. I thought it was really cool that it's able to do all of this while also being a really colorful, entertaining movie. I mean, it doesn't sacrifice any of the fun for the heady stuff. You still get dance scenes. You still get fight scenes. You still get chase scenes. You still get like big set pieces, fun, like bits of comedy. You get so much, especially with Ryan Gosling. Like Ryan Gosling is just amazing in this thing. Yeah, you get enough of everything in there. Yeah, it's just everything you'd want this to be from the trailers. It still is that movie. It's still very over the top, big production blockbuster material. But the fact that it's doing that at the same time as say like actually having a lot of substance to say is an amazing balancing act that i think for the most part the film pulls off um i think it's i want to specifically point out how the parallel stories of barbie and ken work really really well with each other because the thing as you mentioned is barbie's on this like journey into the real world to kind of discover why she's starting to have these like awkward thoughts these intrusive thoughts yeah yeah this imperfect vibes intruding on her perfect world of barbie land and at the same time ken is discovering hey wait a minute this stuff that i never considered before is now becoming like super obvious why do men rule the real world and why don't we have that in barbie land why are we treated as kind of these like like we're just referred to as our jobs and we kind of just are there to support barbie why is that again why are we an accessory and not a main feature it's like parallel it's an interesting how like what she does is like it's parallel so the pen in barbie land is kind of like the like Barbie in real work in the real world where it's just and to have them go on opposite trajectories is really interesting mm-hmm. and does and and does actually like work as kind of a metaphor for hey wait a minute have you ever considered what it would be like to live 
like this? What would it would be like if you felt like you were like being judged everywhere you walked? If you felt like there was no way to, uh, you know, to feel perf like you were enough or to feel like you were doing like being the ideal version of yourself because of societal's pressure societal pressure and so like it's interesting to see them kind of go on those both both journeys at the same time and i also thought it was interesting how they resolve it again getting into spoilers here essentially the lesson ends up being for both of them it's about figuring out yourself above all once you figure out your self-identity it's much easier to deal with what the world throws at you and you're able to not necessarily, you no longer have to rely on other people's image of you, other people's, like, you don't have to define yourself by an outside source, whether it be a fandom or the idea of whether women love you, like, will like you or not if you do something, like, or the, what society expects you to do. If you figure out yourself, then stuff will fall, like, fall, like, the pieces will fall together. It's an incredibly salient lesson, I think, for a lot of people. And it's something that I think a lot of people don't realize until, hell, you know, their late 20s, 30s, or maybe never, like, depending on the people. There's some people who are still trying to figure that out late into life. And I think it's really cool to have a, such a mainstream movie remind people of that, especially men that think like Ken in the movie and have defined themselves by an outside source like that. It really goes it really goes well with a lot of stuff we've been talking about on the podcast over the last few years, like fan communities like Rick and Morty fans, you know, for example, where we've had these big stories about like fans defining themselves by something that's outside of them. And so they just get distracted from being decent people like or like the, you know, the incel culture, you know, like on the Internet where people have decided, oh, well. I have this idea that women don't like will never like will never uh, want to deal with me. So I'm just going to like make my entire identity based on that. And it's like, no, you're like missing the point. Like it's not because of these reasons, these perceptive reasons that you think these perceived reasons that you think that this is happening It's because you're trying to find an identity outside of yourself when really you need to figure out who you are. So yeah, it is silly when all the Kens are like, Oh, Ken is me. I am Ken. It's it's a funny moment played for laughs, but it, there mm -hmm. is a real grain of truth to that scene. And there's a heart to this movie, I believe, is that like self-discovery, that self-identity. And I haven't seen a movie that's really said that as well as this movie has. And so I think it's just it's a fantastic lesson uh, that I think a lot of people could benefit from. It's also a lesson that sticks with you. I mean, I saw it two weeks ago, and <laughs> you just even talk about it, it like brings back like, oh yes, right. it's such a good film. Like all the empowering scenes with it, not just yeah. with Ken, like you've said, but also with Barbie going yeah. into the real world and immediately feeling like she's being judged just right. on how she's looked walking down the street, not doing anything. And it's interesting that by the end of the film, she, despite all of this, she still appreciates the nuance and complication of real life more than the day-to-day -day, like boredom and predictableness mm -hmm. of barbie land she still ends up choosing spoiler again to be in the real world because she'd rather have the fleeting moments of joy and emotion 
and those complicated feelings of being human than just go through the motions. And it really makes it like, it's a good lesson I feel for anybody who feels like the negatives of like outweigh the positives because it's really easy to fall into that trap. Again, yes, it's a movie and it can only do so much, but I felt <laughs> like the fact that this movie based on a doll is doing any of this at all is ridiculously ambitious. And, and the fact that it does it well enough, well enough where we're talking about it like this is like quite a statement and it's easily one of the best movies of the year. Like, like no contest because of it. Yeah. There are two scenes in particular that do stand out as they are show stoppers. And they literally yeah. stop the show to explain what's going on. Yeah. One being the America Ferrera monologue. Right. And the second one being the end where Barbie is talking with uh, the creator of Barbie in that yeah. kind of white void. Where yeah. they literally like stop everything just to hammer in the point of, one, what it is to me being a woman in today's culture and society and all the feelings and actions that go with it. But then also, what is Barbie? What is she meant to be? What is she meant to represent? How are we supposed to see her in 2023? Yeah. I would add add a third scene to that list. The scene where Barbie's at the bus stop and the old woman is next to her, older woman is next to her, and she Mm -hmm. says, you're beautiful. And the older woman, of course, kind of just laughs it off. She says, I know. And I think that that's also really important for the film's message because one of the complications of Barbie and one of the, what's brought up in that co- conversation with her creator um, is she has this weight on her shoulders of being this feminist icon because she can do anything and she's all of these professions and all of this expectation is put on her. But there's also the beauty is also expectation and there's so much of that you know that complicates the idea of barbie the concept of barbie it's brought up in the america ferrera speech as well which is like there's the beauty expectations for women is far beyond what men have to deal with there's so many so many things that women are expected to be and barbie is kind of an example of the stereotypical ideal of what beauty standards were supposed to be for women's for women for so long and in a lot of ways still are. In fact, I want to bring up, there's been a conversation uh, uh, online about, uh, that I've seen a lot of this week, about the kind of weird difference between what the movie is saying about beauty standards and what the marketing team is saying about, behind <laughs> Barbie is saying about beauty standards. A lot of beauty companies have partnered with Barbie for this film and release beauty products that are Barbie branded including one that is supposed to be specifically a, um, you know, something, let's say, to help remove collagen in cellulite, which is specifically cellulite, specifically brought up in In the the movie. And so there's this weird, like, again, it's not perfect. And so I don't expect it to be perfect, but it does lead to this weird feeling of like commerce versus art that we see a lot in talking about media. And it is unfortunate that it kind of skews the message of the film a little bit. I think that although has more to deal with the, both the marketing of Barbie and yeah. the studio behind it, which yes, if you noticed in the film, I'm sure you did the <laughs> brand spanking new logo for 
yeah. Warner Brothers Discovery smattered right behind in the uh, boardroom scene. Yeah, I know. I noticed that as well. And that so yeah, it's so what the last thing I want to talk about with it. Yeah, I think you're right. The heart of the film are those what I believe those three scenes because it's a, like the fact that the movie like the movie Barbie in itself has the expectations of B Barbie and thus have the expectations of women. It's just, it turtles all the way down or Barbie's all the way down in this case, where it's like, no matter what you do, the expectations of something that even touches the concept of feminism in just a slight way, the expectations immediately go through the roof. I personally think, and again, yes, I know I'm a guy I realized that I wish that I had, you know, Christy here to maybe get her two two cents about it. It would probably help make this conversation a little bit well <laughs> more well rounded. I have done. I don't want to sound like I'm getting on soapbox here, but I just want to make this clear. I'm not talking from zero here. I have taken. I, I did take a feminist class in college, and I've done reading about feminism, and I have a vague idea. I have done my own research here, so I'm not talking out of my ass here even though i don't blame anybody who would think it is to think that i am but from my vision of what i believe like what, what my vision of feminine feminism is is yes it does have limits when it starts crossing over with capitalism it's never going to be a perfect you know you always heard that the, the 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 term like there's no ethical conception in capitalism well there's no ethical feminism in capitalism either because you can't make a movie that impacts as many people as Barbie does unless you work with the studio system. And you can't work with the studio system and not expect them to make a bunch of stupid merch based on your film. So those things are always inextricably linked. And so I think, yes, it's fair to bring up that there is a co weird conversation happening between the two sides of the movie, what the movie is saying about consumerism, about Mattel as a company, what mm -hmm. it's saying about like its treatment of women in the Barbie line. That's all right to bring up and you should have those conversations. But again, you have to work within the system to even get somebody, unfortunately, to see it in this way. And so I don't blame Greta Gerwig for having limits to what she can do with the script, what she can do with the direction, what she can do with the film as a whole, because it is a mainstream media object that exists in capitalism. So that will be a very interesting <laughs> behind the scenes eventually. Yes. Where you have Greta Gerwig saying, is there anything asking her, like, is there anything you want to put in the Barbie movie that either yeah, Mattel came do. back and said, no, you cannot do this. Right. Or Warner brothers discovery yeah. came back and said, you cannot do this. We will not, like you if, if you this is in the film yeah so all of that is to say that it is very still impressive what she was able to do with it like all the emotional stuff that we 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 touched on all of the the, the feminist stuff we touched on like all exists and i feel like it butts up against the limits especially the way that mattel is portrayed here <laughs> where they pretty much just straight up say that the entire boardroom of men have no idea what they're doing with the brand could be very true um especially the lines where they say that a woman hasn't run the company since the 90s <laughs> like it's very telling and like the fact that she was even even able to say that in a movie about a mattel property is very impressive and it goes to show that if we keep doing things like this maybe that moves maybe those barriers move just a little bit further than they have been in the past 
maybe we do have the ability to make art that actually does have something to say about these toys or these properties or this nostalgia or these concepts that we have that we're making movies about. So ultimately, I think that it's an impressive balancing act that I feel is successful at what it does. But it is in no way, of course, perfect because of the limitations it just has to have. It just it, There was just no way around it unless you significantly significantly cut the budget and the audience for the film. That's just the reality of how it works in Hollywood now. Or more likely you cut the vision of Greg yeah. Gerwig. Right. Either way. Yeah. yeah. You can't make, yeah, you just, it, it presents complications. So this is where I want to tie into the last thing that we, we, we talked when we were talking about uh, properties based on, or films based on properties going forward, what Barbie, if studios will listen to the lessons. I think probably not, because you already have stories coming out. I was like, oh, Mattel has this long laundry list of movies that they want to make now based on their properties. They want to make a Hot Wheels movie. They want to make mm -hmm. Polly Pocket. In fact, Polly Pocket already has Lena Dunham attached. <laughs> I think that's a bad idea for a lot of reasons, but whatever. Do you think any of them try to actually make a statement or do you think we're just getting transformer style movies i think the lessons hollywood will take away is that make it colorful mm -hmm. put in a bunch of easter eggs and nostalgia into it and it's okay to make fun of your own brand for what it is i hope i hope they do because even that last one i think is going to be hard for them to do <laughs> Especially that last one. But yeah, I imagine they'll be colorful. I imagine they'll be a lot of action set pieces. I just hope, I just hope that if they take one thing away from it is try to say something. The reason why this movie is a success, I believe, is because it does the thing that the Lego movie and Toy Story did before it, which is don't just address the nostalgia. Talk about why it matters. Talk about what about the toy is important. Is it creativity? Is it friendship? You know, with Toy Story, it was about friendship. With mm -hmm. with with Lego, it was about the imagination and using creativity and standing out from the crowd. And with Barbie, it was about self-identity and learning about yourself through play. Make these movies about something because you can't just do Transformers. It wasn't about anything. Or even video game movies like the Super Mario Brothers. I tweeted about this where it's mm -hmm. like it's so funny that the two biggest films of the year are Barbie, which is so introspective about what it is. And the Super Mario Brothers movie, which has literally nothing to say. It's literally the nothing. movie out there. Yep. Yeah. And so it's just it's fascinating to me how two storied franchises could create two so different movies, complete opposite movies. And yet both of them made a billion dollars. Yeah, here we are. So so that's that's Barbie. I think I think we I think we said said what we could say about it. Do you have anything else you want to say about Barbie that you couldn't say last week? Uh if you haven't seen it, go out and see it. Yeah. Contribute to the to the madness. Yeah. <laughs> but also see Oppenheimer while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, I'll get to it. I'll probably wait for this to be on streaming, honestly. Hey, you can see it's 79 millimeter IMAX now. It's everywhere. Could. Will I? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. All, All right. right.
Let's wrap up the show with one last thing. We, after a while, have a fan question. Hey! Oops, it did the thing again. Hold on. It did the thing again. That's okay. Yep. After a brief hiatus there, we've got fan questions. If you want to ask us a fan question, you can do so by emailing us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. Indeed. So, our question is, Hey, Boats guys. Got another question for you. What fandom or pop culture did you try to get into and appreciate? I remember during the brony craze that I wanted to understand and be part of that group, but I couldn't help but feel it was just a children's cartoon that people were overblowing as a masterpiece. Don't get me wrong, good animation and good writing, but at the end of the day, it didn't make a lot of sense to have adults basing their whole lives around it. Wow, we have a recurring theme to this podcast, don't we? Look <laughs> forward to your answers. Keep on sailing. Is the media boat a boater boat or a sailing ship? So... First of all, let's address that last question. What is the media boat? If you look onto our logo, it is clearly a sailing ship. <laughs> However, because action... it has the anchor up yeah. attached to it. <laughs> yeah, I always envision it as a big classic pirate style sailing ship. Yes. However, an actual media boat is a motorboat with a camera yes. on it. It's less right. exciting that way, but that's what it is. <laughs> so, so yeah, it can be whatever you want it to be. How about that? It is both a sailing ship that can transform into a motorboat if we need to go fast for the day. Oh, that's pretty cool. Media boat of all of all kinds. Yes, of all time lengths. But anyways, to address the question, I have an easy answer because mine's the same as yours. Um, at least one of them. I also uh, was like, all right, what is this My Little Pony reboot? Is it as good as people are saying? And so, yeah, I watched the first couple of seasons of that thing. I had a really good time because as you mentioned, Good animation, good writing. I thought it was a quality show that the fans overblew as something it wasn't. I think the thing that happened with that was similar to the thing that happened to Rick and Morty, is that as soon as you start identifying yourself as, I like a thing so much that anybody who dislikes it is my enemy, you've gone too far. And that happened with the bronies just like it did with the Szechuan sauce. So, yeah. I think it's a good thing that ultimately got ruined by fans that just wanted to, to like, just made it their crusade. And you, yeah, as soon as you make something your crusade, it's just not fun anymore. However, I do, yeah, I did have fun with the show, and I someday sh should go back and watch the rest of the seasons. It went for a while, like six or seven seasons and a movie. And so, yeah, I, there's a lot of My Little Pony that I didn't watch, and it was pretty good. Um, as for other stuff, I'm trying to think of equivalents to this. Uh, I have a couple. Um, yeah. One of them is Avatar. Yeah. Not the Blue The Aliens, Last Airbender. The Last Airbender. Yeah. As I didn't watch it when it first aired. I same. caught it on Netflix years later. Same with mm -hmm. uh, Legend of Korra years later. Right. But like, even when I did catch it, you'd still see memes and pop culture references to the last airbender pop up every now and then because it's such a well-written show yeah well animated show again <laughs> here it is 15 years later still makes a poignant statement yeah yeah um did it work the for other you, ones though? i mean watching it years later but but, yeah. but i think the question is asking did did it live up to that i but did you become a super fan because of it 
Uh, I don't think I ever became a super fan. It's hard to become a super fan because of it. Um, I'd say one I did become one of was because of you, and that'd be <laughs> both Steven Universe and yeah. Amphibia. Oh, yeah, yeah. That both are well-written shows uh, that both have meaningful messages to say yeah. and continued on. Uh, oh, the other one is uh, Star vs. the Force of Evil. Hmm. Um, just those kind of shows where, yes, it's cartoons, yes, it's for kids, but part of it being an anthology series hmm. helps make it um, continue on and helps... Um, entice and the imagination and the theories theorism around the community for yeah. it and yeah i'm glad uh, you let's say up... like like gravity falls for yeah. instance uh, kind of like the basis for it i i'm glad you brought up avatar uh the last airbender because yeah i also gave it a shot because i had heard so many of my friends talk effusively about it and so many people on the internet say it was the best thing ever and i watched it and turns out it wasn't for me and i was trying to figure out why and I think I finally roughly know why. Because it's basically a shonen anime. And I don't like shonen anime. <laughs> it's just a Western interpretation of a lot of those same kind of vibes. It's a show that's essentially about like a character a main character who needs to train to become better and better. And you know, the interpersonal relationships that kind of happen on the the periphery. But ultimately is a show that is like leading to like big set pieces, big fight scenes, and just not a thing that works for me. I like, I don't, not really big on fantasy and or sci-fi stuff. So something has to have a really big comic hook to grab me. Though I do have to say when I do overhear episodes, like if Chrissy's watching it or if I've had other roommates in my past watch a lot of Avatar, it is a funny show. I'm not saying that's not, it's just, it wasn't enough of a comedy in that way to really like grab me. And mm -hmm. So it just never, it was just never something that really clicked for me. But do I absolutely still wish that I was in on the the, the whole fandom? Absolutely. Because I feel like people who like that show are probably right. It's probably a really cool thing to really absorb into. And there's a lot of stuff there. And just for whatever reason, I never really clicked with it. So yeah. yeah, I think that's a good example of it. I think outside of like the cartoons in terms of like fandom and getting appreciation for it. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people, especially young people who weren't around for it when it first aired, uh, now that it's on Max, is Friends. And that kind of yeah. cultural zeitgeist of people being obsessed with Friends, <laughs> especially right. now that since you can binge watch the entire series, yeah. both like with, well, being young or someone who's younger than me, being with binge watch with their parents, be like, oh, I remember when I watched this show when it first aired and all the everything behind it. And I'm watching it with you because it's easy and comfort food and friends yeah. is at times like milk toast. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's comfort. Like, well, not the, it's mac and cheese. Probably better yeah, it's mac and cheese. It toast. is television mac, mac and cheese. cheese. You're right. Yes, TV mac and cheese. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel ultimately how I feel about this question is try anything. Like, if you think that there's a possibility that you might like something that you've heard people talk about, the nice thing, the only good thing about our terrifying streaming future that we live in right now is the fact that you can just try whatever. Like, watch a show that's on a streaming network that you heard so much about that, it, like, you can just do it. Watch it, like, if you want to see a movie that somebody years ago said was the best movie ever and you just hadn't never gotten around to it, you could probably find it on streaming now. 
or music even like music is a fandom too like the mm -hmm. fact that everything is just available to you you can just get into a band that you've heard so much about like i just did that with rem a couple of years ago i was just like i feel like i'd like rem i've only heard their singles maybe i should do a deep dive i did and now they're one of my favorite bands they're great and so yeah like just stuff is available to you so you can have these experiences and some of the stuff's not not going to work some of the stuff will not to sound like a broken record, but earlier this year, we did do a Taylor Swift tournament we where we listened to every single song she ever created <laughs> in album, not bonus tracks. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, it got me more into the fandom and being yeah. a Swifty this year, more so than I've ever had to in in my life. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. yeah. Uh, I think just on top of that, listen to what your friends say. Mm -hmm. Like if someone suggests something, Give it a watch. Give it a listen. You can find a half hour or an hour to like take a peek, tip your toe in, see yeah. if it is for you. Because more often than not, your friends are looking out for you and are trying to recommend stuff that you can have that they can share their fandom with. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. So yeah, good question. I'm glad you brought it up. And yeah, I think it does touch on regardless of whether you think it's like like whether it works out or not, the fact that you can try these things out is really great. Some stuff is going to work, some stuff's not, as you found mm -hmm. out. But hey, you never know until you try it. So yeah. yeah. Thank you for the question. And with that, hey, look at that. 90 minutes. How about that? There you go. So told you we that, did it. <laughs> you did it. Sure enough, somehow we willed it into existence. So thank you <laughs> for hanging out with us today with the Media Boat Podcast. We'll be back next week for another episode. With more news, more thoughts, more everything that we provide to you with this service of the Media Boat Podcast. But in the meantime, we're all over the internet. If you want to watch us in video form, check out our YouTube channel. You can go search YouTube or YouTube Media Boat Podcast and you'll find it. You can like, subscribe. You can, um, I don't know, do all sorts of things. Click the bell for notifications when we have new videos. All that and more. If you'd rather listen to us audio style... We're on podcast services such as Apple, Podcast, Google Play, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, search Media Boat Podcast. You can find us on the internet on MediaBoatPodcast.com, where you can see write-ups, including my uh, thoughts about Barbie, and uh, even thoughts speaking of Taylor Swift, about Taylor Swift Speak Now, Taylor's version, which is also on the website, as well as, just up last week, Mike's um, preview for all the movies coming out in the month of August. You can check out all of that and more, as well as an archive of our podcasts on MediaBoatPodcast.com. Yes, we're still on social media platforms like the artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, where we're at MediaBoatCast. We're on Facebook, search MediaBoatPodcast there. We're on Twitch, streaming video games every once in a while on MediaBoat, on Twitch.tv slash MediaBoat. And we're even on IMDb and Discord. If you search for those things, you'll find it. Um, and yeah, we'll be back next week with even more. Yep, we'll be back next week with our initial thoughts on only murders in the building, yep. uh, as well as the um first episode of Hard Knocks. Yep. Uh, we can see the Jets lose in the <laughs> Hall of Fame game, as for mentioned. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back with more news, more thoughts, maybe more of us. We'll see what happens next week. Yep. We'll see. All right. Bye. All right.